passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back once again, continuing the divisional previews. I called the division interesting in the pre-show meeting that we are discussing here on the show today. It is the AFC South that we are doing here on the show to the NFC South on Monday's edition of the show. So the Titans, Colts, Texans, and Jaguars all on the menu today. Our biggest bust potential, biggest sleeper, and one burning question for all of those teams. I do think we probably should start with a little footnote, gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers reporting to camp. So there is going to be really no discussion, I think, on this show of him playing elsewhere and what the fantasy ramifications of that are. He looked uh, very happy in his uh, Thunder Mifflin office T-shirt showing up to camp on Tuesday. Things appear to be okay for the moment in Green Bay. I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, the last dance, Packers' last dance with Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and let, let's see what they what they do. They're, they're still in contention in the NFC this year, but this is this is it. Like, this, is, this team is going to go it, – it's so interesting because this team's going to be in a very weird spot next this whole division this whole nfc north will be in a very interesting spot next year going forward depending on what's the quarterback situation going to look like in minnesota what's the quarterback situation long term look like in detroit when does justin fields take over in chicago is jordan love going to be a thing like that division is going to be mediocre but interesting uh coming up in two seasons from now but Rodgers is back. That's kind of the thought I've had all along. Um, so everybody that is already drafted an Aaron Jones or a Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers himself, you, you can you can breathe a sigh of relief that you should still get the production that we've come to expect. Uh, but again, I will caution you, touchdown percentage regression for Aaron Rodgers this year. I, I'm still shocked. Like, what the hell was this whole thing about? I, I, you're going to, okay, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, and okay, I'm coming back at this point. I turned down a two-year's richest contract in NFL history to piss off the entire fan base, take a hit on my legacy to grow a ponytail and hang out in Hawaii and post the pictures and just keep everybody guessing. Like, what, what was the point of the whole thing? If you're coming back, why not just finish your career in Green Bay? I, I just, I don't know. The whole thing is still weird to me. I didn't think he was coming back. Well, that, it's something to keep an eye on of, of how this relationship, uh, you know, thaws over the course of the next couple of weeks before the season begins. But yes, I mean, him being in camp is certainly a revelation on its own. Okay, AFC South, 
today on the show. We go in the order in which the teams finished in their divisions last season. So that means the Tennessee Titans are in the leadoff spot today on the show. Biggest bust potential. And when I put this list together, yes, Jamie, go ahead. Pick me. Okay, I just want to say that before we do this, when I put names down, I always go, man, Jamie's going to have the same name I do for this spot. And that's how I feel about this one in particular, at least on my list. So, Jamie, you asked to go first. The biggest bust potential on the Tennessee Titans, and why is it Julio Jones? It's Julio Jones. And and look, so I wanted wanted to put some numbers to this because I know I've said this a lot on the podcast to the point where it's it's a drinking game now. Take a shot whenever I talk about Julio Jones and and target and the amount of targets he's going to get. I want to kind of break this down as granularly as I could to kind of illustrate the point I'm trying to make here, because I think this is still getting missed. So right now, Julio Jones is ADP is the wide receiver 15. Uh, he ranks as my, in my updated rankings now available at the draft network.com under the fantasy tab. He's wide receiver 28 for me. And here's why. If you look over the last six seasons in Atlanta, they have averaged about 37.7 pass attempts per game over the last six years. And by the way, it's gone up in the last four. It's all, it's closer to 38, 39 over the last four years, but 37.7 over the last six years in Tennessee over the last two with Ryan Tannehill at the helm, they have averaged 28.5 pass attempts per game. So we're talking more than nine pass attempts per game, fewer than Atlanta. If Julio Jones keeps that same target share that he's seen the last two years in Atlanta, which is a 22% target share, which I think is, is reasonable to expect in this Tennessee offense. We are talking about 8.3 targets per game in the Atlanta amount of pass attempts versus 6.3 targets per game in the Tennessee amount. Now, I expect a little bit more than that because I think Titans throw a little bit more than their 28.5 attempts average over the last two years. But as we talk about that two targets per game difference, what does that really mean? Well, on a given Julio Jones's career rates or excuse me, rates over the last handful of years, we're talking one and a third fewer catches per game. 19.46 fewer receiving yards per game and a tenth of a touchdown fewer per game. Just there alone. Now extrapolate that out times 15 games if he plays 15, times 17 if he plays a full season. That's what I'm talking about when I say I have concerns with the volume that he's going to get is that he can be the same talent he can be get the same target share and be extremely productive with that target share. And he's still going to put up less raw overall numbers because of the offensive difference. Now, I expect the Titans to be more like closer to that 31 pass attempts per game this year than the 28 and a half that we've talked about. But they're not going to be up at 37, 38, 39, you know, 40 as we've seen at times that we've seen from the Atlanta offenses for prolonged stretches. That's going to be a factor. A.J. Brown is going to get a lot of work himself. I just... To me, I, I expect Julio Jones to be as productive on a per-target basis, but actually probably a little bit more productive on a per-target basis given the efficiency of the Tennessee offense. But the, the difference in volume is going to be very, very significant for him, plus the injury risk that, that is built in. And some of it is the injury risk that he tries to play through. That, and we've, that bit me last year a lot where I'm going to try. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to be a go, but I'm a go for two or three targets. Like I'm really out there as a decoy. I can't take him at wide receiver 15. Like th- that to me is way too high. Uh, he is a, to me, he's a high level flex play. If you take him as a, like a low end wide receiver too, I could live with that. I just cannot take him as this upper, upper end wide receiver too right now. And I just don't think the volume is going to be there. I have nowhere near that analytical data that Jamie just poetically threw out there. Cause it was awesome. 
it's the injury risk for me on top of the fact that you're moving. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. Everybody assumes it's going to be Arthur Smith's offense, but every play caller is different. This defense is not very good. They get a lot of credit for being unique and being multiple and Vrabel throws a lot of different stuff like they do in New England, but they've been like 21st and 23rd the last few years on defense. They're not very good. And if they get behind, then you can't play this style where you want to run Derrick Henry nonstop and you have to throw it a little bit more. But that's why I, the next guy we're going to talk about it kind of fills in for me because I don't know how much Julio is going to be out there. Big-bodied guys that are that athletic, that play that hard, and they start dealing with injuries, they just never kind of go away. You see a lot of guys finish their careers where they're just – something's nagging all the time. And he's a big, thick, lean guy that plays so athletically. 15 games, I think, is being generous. You know, I mean, if you get 15 out of him, I think you're pretty happy. I just don't know how that's going to happen. Biggest sleeper on the Tennessee Titans. And yes, Jamie, I also had Julio Jones written down. I knew you might ask that, but yes, I I, I went I with Reynolds him. because of that. So that's where I went, but it felt I will I will tell you, it felt very weird to pick a wide receiver for biggest bust and then to pick another wide receiver for biggest sleeper, considering where they are on the depth charts. It did it, feel it did, weird. To but I'm kind of assuming that Julio misses four or five weeks in a row and they don't send him out there to be a decoy like they did in Atlanta, which could happen. But I think Reynolds plays a lot. He went there for a reason. They gave him a decent contract to go. They might all be on the field together and go 11 personnel because they don't have John U. Smith anymore. And Ferkser's not quite the same player and more of a tight end that could be on the line as a tackle over kind of thing. I, I just I, I didn't really know who else to go with. I, I thought Reynolds fit in for you know a guy to pay attention to. Yeah, this one's a hard one for me. Reynolds is a good one, as is Des Fitzpatrick, you know, as we talk about for the same reasons of guys that could fill in for Julio Jones or just get on the field a little bit more. I went a really deep sleeper here because this is a name that hasn't been talked about at all. I'm not sure I would draft him, but just someone to kind of keep an eye on. And that's Brian Hill. And he's comes over from Atlanta. If something were to happen to Derrick Henry, which it, we have not seen him have any sort of significant injury history, but if something were to happen to them, they are not going to go to Jeremy McNichols or Darrington Evans, in my estimation, as an every down back. Those guys are third down, pass catching, no huddle, two-minute drill type of backs. I don't think they're first, second down, every down type players. Brian Hill is, has the size and the physicality to be that type of player for them. He is not you know, 50% of Derrick Henry. But if, again, if something happens to Henry, any starting running back in the NFL has fantasy value. If you're looking for somebody super, super late or you know, in a very, very deep league, he, to me, is the guy that I think would benefit more if something happens to Derrick Henry, other than the other names that you hear a lot with McNichols and, and Evans. You know, I've been looking for a landing spot for Adrian Peterson, and you just talked me into it for that exact yeah. – that would be my sleeper there. If Adrian Peterson happened to be the backup to Derrick Henry and they wanted somebody to tote it on first and second down, it's going to be big and physical, and every, every year we try to count him out and he still looks great. That might be the best landing spot for him. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out who the backup could be in some of these situations, I think that would be great. I love that. The Brian Hill, that's, that's a deep sleeper, but that's a great one. And that's I think, great, don't you think that's a great spot for Adrian Peterson to finish up and get another year in? I do. I think they need to find somebody there just because you talk about, look, I don't think the Titans are a Super Bowl contender, but they think they are. And they cannot operate that offense the way they want to. If Derrick Henry misses multiple weeks, they need, no. and again, not that Adrian Peterson is going to be Derrick Henry, but they have to run the football effectively for that offense to be successful. They don't really have a clear, proven option if something were to happen to Henry, and I think that's something they need to look into this offseason. Or look yeah, no, into he, this he wouldn't be Derrick Henry, but I think he could get you through a few weeks more than Brian Hill could. The one burning question for the Tennessee Titans, Jamie. 
To me, it's what goes back to the conversation we had earlier. Will the Titans throw significantly more this year and how much? Because a lot of what is necessarily hold, held back some of their guys or just keeps like their really top guys like A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill right under that elite category is just the fact that there hasn't been a ton of volume. If that volume goes up in the offense and those guys, well, obviously the volume goes up, Tannehill's production will go up exponentially. A.J. Brown should as well. If the volume goes up, he should continue to get more work. We could talk about a couple of really elite fantasy options there as A.J. Brown is right on the cusp of being that. Ryan Tannehill is always uh, a solid value in fantasy as people never fully buy in. That's the big question to me because if you are a Julio Jones believer, which we've I've talked on this, this episode for weeks about why I am not this year, that is the ticket is if this offense starts throwing significantly more on a per-game basis and opens up that volume for him because to me, otherwise – we kind of know what we're going to get from this offense. You're going to get production from Henry. You're going to get production from Tannehill. You're going to get production from AJ Brown, and everybody else is kind of going to be on a week, you know, here, you know, here in their basis. And look, Corey Davis was productive last year, but I guarantee you, people would be disappointed if Julio Jones puts up Corey Davis numbers this year, Absolutely. which I think is more realistic than people are giving credit for. Uh, that's kind of what I expect him to do. That's a great analogy, Jamie. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I put, what does this offense look like? Is it different? You know, we go back, Arthur Smith was a tight end coach that became the offense coordinator and kind of created this, we're just going to pound Derrick Henry thing and kind of resurrected Derrick Henry's career, really. Does it look the same? Or is Jamie what we're talking about? And that defense being bad, does it kind of force them into, with these weapons, throwing it a little bit more? That's, that was kind of my burning question is, and how does that translate to whose production? Indianapolis Colts, next team up here on the list. Uh, biggest bust potential, Jake. I think it has to be Jonathan Taylor. I fully expect him to be a star. I love the kid, uh, but they have other backs there. Marlon Mack apparently is not on PUP. Starting in, not that he's a thing. He's definitely his backup. The roles are pretty much defined, I think, at this point. How much are they going to throw? Is it all going to go through Jonathan Taylor? I think he just has the potential to be the biggest bust. I love the offensive line. I don't know how much they trust Carson Wentz. Like it all goes through Jonathan Taylor. But if he gets nicked up a little bit, they got other guys. I think they can be a little bit more Saquon Barkley-esque and be a little bit more conservative about how fast he comes back. They don't force him back on the field. And then that could bite you in the ass a little bit. I mean, they have other guys. If that room wasn't so crowded with other talented guys, it's it's still all going to go through him, right? We saw the way he finished the year. But Naheem Hines is still a thing. He's going to play on third down. Marlon Mack will probably get some carries here and there if they really do go through Jonathan Taylor, give him – four or five instead of Jonathan Taylor having 30, you could have 25 carries. I just, I didn't know who else had the biggest bust potential other than him. Cause he's rated so high and I love him and I'm all in on him. I'll draft him in the first round all day long. I, I went with Michael Pittman jr. Here. Uh, I was surprised to see today that he is going as the top Colts wide receiver and a borderline top 40 overall receiver in fantasy right now. He's my wide receiver 60. I like Michael Pittman, but I don't think he has an outstanding trait. He does a lot of things very solid. I like what he can be, and obviously we have seen Carson Wentz has some success with the bigger receivers before. But this is a guy that still was significantly behind T.Y. Hilton in target share last year. At least until we see some improvement, I think right now it looks like a slight downgrade at the quarterback position until we see what Carson Wentz can be this year. You know, I expect him to have more than his 14% target share last year, but he's not an overly explosive player. I don't think that he's going to be a high touchdown guy. And last year, on a per-game basis, the guys around him, Larry Fitzgerald, David Moore, A.J. Green, Teron Johnson, like, you know, I just, to me, I, this projection of, of his ADP at, at wide receiver 41 in this class says you're expecting him to be 
a double digits plus fantasy points per game player. And I just don't see that right now as the number two option on offense that right now looks like it's downgraded on the offensive line a little bit and downgraded at quarterback a little bit. I like that one, Jam. I think his all his production, if you go back and watch, are these deep, long developing drag routes that he catch it and have a lot of run after the catch. Yeah. Right. He caught it right underneath Phillip Rivers, would hold it as he's getting hit in the face. I don't know that that really fits Carson Wentz's game. So Pittman's got to develop as more of an outside guy that really catches the back shoulder, some of that more traditional stuff. Now, I think they get an upgraded arm strength, but I don't yes. they, they also get that a, a downgraded how much he's going to force the ball. We don't know what Carson Wentz we're going to see. We knew what Phillip Rivers was going to give you. Uh, which still shocked all of us, even though he was pretty much done. He still got it out there. Uh, biggest Who'd you sleeper. Put, Chris? Yeah, Chris. Uh, I, I, I debated between the two names that you guys wrote down, and He's I lying. did not. He didn't write down a name. He just picked ours. Show me your list. Crickets. I debated between the two names that you guys That's wrote case, down. And as I was doing it, I could hear Jake yelling at me for copping out and writing two names down. So, so I ended up going with I went with Jonathan Taylor. Okay, Attaboy. just because just because and we've had this conversation with with a bunch of players throughout this process. We are not calling Jonathan Taylor a bust. We no, are he's my number three we, overall player, right? So. But where you are taking him and in, in an offense that really doesn't have anybody else going too out of sorts from where they probably should go, that feels like if he gets hurt or if he doesn't perform well or because there's just so many guys in that room, that's a big risk there. So that's why I put him down. Biggest sleeper. I love this one. This is Naeem Hines for me. And I, the fantasy community doesn't seem to like him very much. Uh, he's going as the RB41 right now. I took him as the, I have him ranked, excuse me, as the RB30. Here's what I want. Here's an interesting stat I looked up today, fantasy wise. Okay. From week 10 on last season with Naeem Hines, which I think you can at that point clearly start to look at Jonathan Taylor as being the guy in that offense where he's getting 20 plus carries. He's, he's going to be, head and shoulders above any other running backs there. From that point on, Naeem Hines on a per-game basis was a top 20 running back still. I don't know why they think his role is going to be any different this year than it was last year. He was extremely productive when Jonathan Taylor was on the field, when he wasn't on the field, when he was getting 25 carries, when he was getting 13 carries. Naeem Hines has an ingrained role in this offense that is going to continue, and he can continue to be productive for you. Going outside the top 40 running backs is crazy to me. I love that one. I thought about that too because I agree. I, only thing that talked me out of that was Philip Rivers will check it down a ton and he would look for him immediately and he's so fast out of the backfield. He can turn that corner. And I go like some of these other guys we've talked about, some of these other quarterbacks that don't necessarily want to do that yet. They don't want to take that easy throw. And we'll see if Carson Wentz, like I said, it goes back to me. Like that, my burning question is obviously easy. What the hell, Carson Wentz, are we getting? I went with T.Y. Hilton here. I think he's kind of from the forgotten guy. He finished strong after grandma called him out last year, which I loved. I'm still a huge believer. He's not the player that he used to be, but the nuance of the game, the difference of pros pro at this point is a, he's a savvy vet that's kind of getting up there, but he can still run if he's healthy and motivated. I think he wants to go out uh, on a high note and play strong. He's got a new contract there. I mean, I just, uh, I think he's kind of the forgotten guy. And after we were, TYing it all last year going in. Even me, I had to talk myself into it, but I I like him here. I also went with T.Y. Hilton. Um, He's going as wide receiver 54, I believe, in ADP, according to Fantasy Pros. And I know that people will look at uh, Michael Pittman Jr. being there and and where he is on the depth chart. 
I, I still think he's going to be the one that develops that chemistry with Carson Wentz the quickest because he's that veteran. He knows the system. He knows what they're trying to do. And I still think there is enough left in the tank. We saw it in the second half of last season to where I felt comfortable putting him down as a sleeper. Again, we are not in the days of T.Y. Hilton wide receiver one. Those days are, are long gone. Still enough wide receiver one there. But to but in fantasy terms, he can right. be a wide receiver two or three, I think, with relative ease in this offense. Yeah. Uh, I think all of our burning questions are what version of Carson Wentz do the Colts yeah. get in 2021? I think that's just the place you have to start this conversation. I mean, yep. if we're going to throw another one out there, what happens at left tackle? Yeah, Anthony Costanzo retiring is a big deal. This was the best offensive line in football, or one of them. And I agree with Jamie. I think it's a downgrade from where it was last year. What happens – yeah, because Fisher isn't healthy right now. Like, I don't know when he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that affects Carson Wentz. I mean, the offensive line he yeah. played behind when he was really bad the last two years was awful. They couldn't keep anybody healthy in Philly the last year. So, well, it's a better upgrade offensive line-wise than he had. How does that affect him? Because the question is, what Carson Wentz are we getting and how good can he be? The Houston Texans finished Skip. third in this division <laughs> in 2020. Or 2020, yeah, 2020, excuse me. The biggest bust potential on the Houston Texans is Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, yeah. So I'm, I'm, the reason why I threw his name here, because nobody's overdrafting Texans right now. So it's tough to kind of find guys that are going significantly above their ADP. Um, but I, I don't think he plays this year for one reason or another. Uh, between the legal stuff, between the the trade require, all that other stuff, there's going to be somebody in your league that gets cute in like round ten that thinks they're they're going to get the steal of the draft by taking Deshaun Watson there. Uh, don't be that person. I'm really curious about these Denver trade rumors. I still think trading for him now, although I saw the same thing, they still want five high five five high picks or five some combination of of good players. That one's interesting. I don't I don't know. I still think somebody should do it now while the price is low. But I agree with you. He ain't playing anytime soon. I went Philip Lindsay. He left, got a contract, big name. It's David Johnson's room. I don't know how much he's going to be on the field. I, I still weird how they used David Johnson last year, and I don't know what Philip Lindsay's role is going to be. Yeah, and they have Mark Ingram there now, and Rex Burkhead there now as well. It's it's a very the the Texans wide receiver and running back rooms are just a mishmash of misfit toys. Like yes. It's a very weird. We have like Cooks and Cobb for now, and Anthony Miller and Nico Collins and Kiki QT and David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Rex Burke. Like it's a weird mix. Of, I would of- think David Johnson or Philip Lindsay would be on the trade block to LA. I think, yeah, I, I would be shocked if they weren't. I, and Lindsay's probably an easier guy to trade than Johnson's contract, but probably, probably so. I and mean, I don't think LA could take on David Scott, although I think they would love to have him. Yeah, uh, that would be a guy that would really fit. I would be really I, interested to see if David Johnson would end up in L.A. But I, I'm of the mind that that all four of those backs are not on the roster by the time we get to week one. Somebody is traded. Somebody in that top three is, is moved. Yeah, they, if they can get something decent for him, they just, they, that makes sense. But yeah, Philip Lindsay, I don't know how he fits. I mean, I don't know what the hell that that I don't know why they you signed know what him. this offense is going to look like. <laughs> like. My biggest yeah. bust potential on this team is the guy who, who checks in on fantasypros.com as the wide receiver 36. So this oh, is do this, bold of me. I don't took this, I, I put Brandon I put Brandon Cooks here as my biggest bust potential. And the reason why is we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. He's the highest uh, 
Texans receiver coming off the board. There's an injury history there. I had to put somebody down or else I was going to get, you know, scolded at by you two. So Brandon Cooks is the name that we put. I, I love it. I think you, you outdid us. I for, I'll be honest with you. I forgot Brandon Cooks was on the Texans. Uh, I literally was that, thinking of names and went total blank that he was actually I, still there. Everybody again, I think I'll live up to it. Wide receiver AAP, 36 is, 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 you know, I'm not, he's going as a wide receiver three. But I yeah, get it. Three. But, yeah. but who else are you going to pick on this team? Exactly. Exactly. Crickets. The biggest sleeper on the Houston Texans. So I have one here I really like, and it's Tyrod Taylor. And he, he gets no fantasy respect here. And, and let me, I want to break this down a little bit because he, right now he is going undrafted in across the board. Uh, he's actually falls in at QB 40 right now in, in fa- on fantasy pros. I am at QB 21. He puts up solid fantasy numbers. Let's go back to the last, last four instances where he's been a starter. You go back to 2015, he was the QB seven in average fantasy points per game. 2016, the QB eight. 2017, the QB 19, and then in his three starts before Baker Mayfield took over in Cleveland, he was still a top 25 quarterback coming in at QB 23. He's not a QB one. He's not somebody you're taking as a starter. But if you're in a two QB league or super flex and you're looking for that, that solid low-end QB two, he can be that guy. He, it's, he's had some success because he's going to run the ball around a little bit. They're going to have to throw because they suck. He is going to be productive enough that he's going to be in some of my waiver wire columns when teams are on bye weeks. Just keep an eye on him because this is a guy that's put up solid fantasy production with like with his top weapons being Sammy Watkins and Charles Clay and Chris Hogan and Marquise Goodwin and Robert Woods before Robert Woods was good. Like he's been able to put up some fantasy success in with quite frankly, fewer weapons before uh, and on teams that were probably going to run the ball more than they, they will here in Houston. So he's just somebody to keep an eye on. I think he's somebody in two QB leagues and super flex that needs to be in your starting lineup in that other spot that's just getting completely ignored right now, whether it's because everybody's waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back or like I don't think Davis Mills is taking over till at least December, uh, if at all. So I think Tyrod Taylor is somebody that, you know, stay away from the needles, but uh, <laughs> from the doctor's needles in the pregame, and he should have an opportunity here to be a starter for most of the season and put up at least enough numbers to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, I think he gets herberted by David Mills, Davis Mills a little bit earlier than that. I went David Johnson. He was really good last year as a running back, not even them using him what he's best at, and that's catching the damn ball. Like, I, when I look at this, whether it's Mills, Tyrod, Taylor, it all goes through David Johnson. It should be, he should be getting the carries, and if they're going to suck and throw it, his offensive line's not very good, you should be dumping it off to your best player as well. I, I just, if he's used in that role, his value shoots up. If David Johnson's healthy, he was healthier last year than he's been. I think he's going to be another forgotten guy because I don't think anybody wants any part of this Houston team. And as Jamie says, every year that I pay attention to, we get on these shows, these pregame, bad teams have fantasy value. They're still NFL teams. They still got good players. I think David Johnson's a forgotten guy. Uh, I also put David Johnson and I'll add some statistics to back you up, Jake. He's going as the running back 31 in PPR leagues on fa- according to fantasypros.com. Last season, he was the running back 21 in standard leagues and he was around that uh, in PPR leagues. So he, w- he was giving you a solid RB2 production and he's a guy that's really going as an RB3 right now. So there is definitely value there uh, that I think can be capitalized on. And again, if he's healthy, he's going to be the lead back in this offense and have all of those ability, all those opportunities. Those numbers without catching the ball. 
Like they, right. were, so, they were not using him what he's best at. So I think there's an opportunity there. Uh, one burning question. Uh, what the heck are the Houston Texans is what I have written down here. I, I went, does David Johnson and, and do, excuse me, do David Johnson and Brandon Cooks stay healthy? Because those are the two most fantasy relevant players on this roster. Those are two guys that deserve to be drafted in all leagues and, and inside at the top of your bench. Can they stay healthy? Because if they can, there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's significant fantasy value there for both players that are going to be starting caliber players for you, particularly during bye weeks, or if you have multiple flexes or play three wide receivers or something like that. They just got to stay on the field because I think they'll be productive. And this is, again, there's always fantasy value on bad teams. Nobody wants to draft any Lions. Nobody wants to draft any Texans. There's going to be fantasy value for some of these players. But for those two, they have to stay on the field. I put Houston, we have a problem. They suck. <laughs> like, they, they're going to be bad. But I agree with Jamie. Those two guys, and if something happens to David Johnson, then I really like Philip Lindsay. It's a guy that's going to go in there, play hard, get a lot of touches. But that that room is whatever. I could see Rex Burkhead playing a lot on third down and messing him up just because he picks up the blitz and the offensive line's terrible. But they got big problems going on in Houston. That's going to take a while to rebuild this thing, especially if they trade Deshaun Watson. I don't care what they get back for him. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the last team up here in this division, biggest bust potential. I went DJ Chark. I like this guy. But that room got crowded with really good players. LaVisca Chenault, I think they they like to use a lot of different roles. I think his role will be defined. I think Marvin Jones Jr., I agree with Jamie, is the number one guy there. He's the pro's pro, the veteran. Chark needs to develop. He flashed as a rookie. You go back to his LSU days, great run after the catch. Great with the ball in his hands, but he hasn't really developed as a receiver. And I don't know what the chemistry is going to be like with the new young Goldilocks and Lawrence. And I think ETN has a huge role in this team. So – I just he was kind of the forgotten guy to me that I think is probably name value from last year's getting overdrafted. Quote, I didn't like his size. His strength, I thought, was way below average, way below what we project or what we want from our wide receivers is a quote from his new head coach, Urban Meyer on DJ Chark. Um, Couple that with his injury history, the fact that he's not a complete receiver, which we've known for a while. The talent's amazing, but he's not a complete receiver. Right now, he's going as the wide receiver 33 in ADP. I have him at wide receiver 51. Uh, to me, he's clearly – I think there's a very strong chance he's the, as Jake pointed out, the number three receiver on this team. I think Marvin Jones is the one. LaVisca Chenault, in terms of workload, is going to get number two in my mind. Um, obviously, ETN is going to have a significant workload in the pass-catching game as well. I, I just – I'm not – I think he'll have some big weeks, but if you want to talk about boom or bust type fantasy players of the last few years, it's been DJ Chark, where when he explodes, he explodes, but he didn't disappear. And it doesn't always disappear because of injuries either. So he's somebody that I have just a lot of concerns with given his his ADP right now, given the comments that Urban Meyer's already made about him. And quite frankly, I'll parlay this into, into my sleeper of being Marvin Jones Jr., the veteran receiver that has that has worked – at a really high level with the guy that's calling the plays in Jacksonville right now, Daryl Bevel, uh, last 29 games with him has had nearly a 20% target share when Bevel's been the play caller. And that is with Kenny Galladay playing in the majority of those games alongside him too. There's not a Kenny Galladay on this roster right now. So to me, I, I think a guy like Marvin Jones with his, his veteran ability, the fact that dude gets knows how to get open in the red zone, touchdown hog for a wide receiver, especially for one of the guys that's not considered a superstar does a little bit of everything well. I think he's going to be the guy that uh, Trevor Lawrence leans on more so than the unpolished DJ Chark. Uh, again, I, Chark's going to have some big games. If you take him in best ball, 
I mean, I still wouldn't take him at that ADP in best ball, but he's a better player in that scenario. So you do can you can't take advantage of those spikes, and then his his values don't hurt you as much. But in regular leagues, he's going to be a really frustrating player to own. And again, there's so many good wide receivers in fantasy. You you taking these guys in the top forty, like we've talked about for like Michael Pittman and and DJ Chark, you really have to be sure they hit because you're missing out on a lot of value. You know, I love this exercise. He's now big time trade bait for me too. We're sitting here talking about this. Somebody goes down, has a receiver issue. He's going into year three. I think he's on the trade block for them. They got a couple other guys there that are young that they like, that they, you know, Urban wants to do his thing. I can see him getting traded and that name value, them getting something decent back in return for the same thing. I went Marvin Jones Jr. as well for my sleeper. I, I think people, he never got enough credit in Detroit. I don't think there's any, you know, drop off in quarterback play. I think, He's going to make some mistakes because he's young, but he's got almost the arm talent of Matt Stafford. And I think if they have that chemistry, which I think Marvin Jones Jr. will develop with him, he'll be just fine. I think he puts up big numbers. Yeah, Chuck's a fun name to watch, like you said there, Jake, for the trades, because they do have Colin Johnson, who we saw a little bit last year, a young guy that they took in the fifth round. They signed Philip Dorsett this offseason. They also took Jalen Camp in in round six as more of a project player, but as somebody that scouts are really intrigued by. So. They have some other pieces there. They also recently, I mean, I don't think he's a thing, but they also recently resigned or signed Laquan Treadwell. Um, you know, Josh Matterbehe, they also got as an undrafted free agent. So they've got some pieces in that room. If Urban Meyer is truly as unhappy with DJ Chark as that quote would indicate, which again, you don't know the context of what's actually, you know, what's motivational through the media versus what they actually believe. But uh, I could see that being a trade-off possibility. I just see too many scenarios here where things go poorly for DJ Chark and not many where things click as a top 30 wide receiver. Yep. Jamie, that, Chris? cover your ears, okay, for this? Cover oh, your no. ears. You don't want to hear this. The biggest bust potential on the Jacksonville Jaguars is James Robinson. No, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. So it makes me I, sad. I, I was shocked at this when I, when I saw it on paper. His ADP is higher than Travis Etienne's. That yeah, is shocking I think that's gonna, to me. And I think that's going to continue because there seems to be more James Robinson love in the last month or so than there was immediately after the draft. So everybody's buying into Travis Etienne being a receiver with Urban Myers? <laughs> yeah. wide, receiver, wide receiver one, Travis Etienne. Yes, James Robinson's ADP is RB24. Travis Etienne's is RB38. And I'm sorry, but you are not going to be able to convince me, no matter what Urban Meyer says in the media, that you used a first-round pick on a running back, and that guy's not going to get a majority of the workload. You're just not going to be able to convince back. me of that. Yeah. Specifically this running back, right. And so, I, I, to me, the, the reason why I picked James Robinson is if you flip these two, I would be fine with it. But James Robinson being the guy that's getting drafted higher in that running back room for Jacksonville and 14 spots higher, no thank you. No thank you. You're not going to get RB2 production out of James Robinson. Not if Travis Etienne gets the workload we all think he's going to. Yeah, so to that point right now, in my rankings, I have Travis Etienne as the RB28 and James Robinson as the RB38. 24 and 38 on Fantasy Pro. So if they would have flipped that, it would be very similar to your order, and I wouldn't have batted an eye at it. But I'm sitting here looking at it, and I'm like, what? It just it was baffling to me. You know, they're a young team building something. He's young. He's cheap. I could see him being on a trade block, too. I know people have talked about that and said no, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if they could get something decent back, they know they're not very good, and they're going to have to throw it a ton. And that says ETN more than it says James Robinson. I, I like that one, Chris. I agree with you there. 
Just just LA trade all the draft picks. Just don't don't never draft again. Just just go all in. This is on like this this, team. Is, this is going to be the pre. There was the off season of trade every receiver to the Chargers. Now the preseason of trade every running back to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Charles will be interesting to the Chargers. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on that with everybody that comes up. Uh, look, I mean, they're still building that. They're they're not gonna be very good. They're gonna be fun to watch. They're gonna win more games than yeah. they won last year. They're and not Houston. Guarantee but, that James Robinson's value ain't gonna be any higher at any other point in his career. Exactly. You didn't draft him. You got a great year out of him. You got a new entire organization. If you could get something, you get a third for him. You do it in a minute. I don't know who's gonna give up a three. They got to be but, pretty desperate, but. You know what? Injuries happen. You never know. Yep. You never know. You know what happened? Uh, uh, you never know. What if Daryl Henderson tears an ACL? And now you're going to start these undrafted free agents and you have a Super Bowl aspirations and trade two first-round picks from Matthew Stafford. Like, things can happen. I Again, nobody wishes injury on anybody, but injuries happen, and they're going to happen this year. We're going to have – we're not going to get through camp without somebody being out for the season. We won't get through I, the next week. No, it just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, you gave your biggest sleeper. Jake, where did you go on this one? I went Marvin Jones. Okay. I I put LaVisca Chenault's name down here. That's um, fine, too. I like he's be, in every just season, be, too. I, 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 I'll be honest. Big I injury history is, is the I, only issue. Yeah. The yeah. Colorado stuff. Like, I, love the talent, but it's got to stay. He was healthy last year for the most part, but just the injury history from college is yeah. massive. I also played a little bit of the chess game here because I knew at least yeah. Jamie was going to put Marvin Jones down. So I wanted to at least have some different name here. And I think LaVisca Chenault is at an ADP where you can get some value. Uh, the, those the burning qu- going above DJ Chark, and they're not in ADP. The one burning question for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've kind of touched on it, Chris. It's how does the RB share get distributed? Like that, that's what we're looking at is, is how, how is, how often is ETN used? How is he used? Does the workload start scale up over the season? Um, you know, that's the only thing is because I, I do expect James Robinson to have a role. I just don't think it's going to be a role that's significant enough to bring you RB2 fantasy value like his ADP is. But I'm, I'm curious to see how ETN is used, how creative they can be. Because, um, again, w- with pieces like Chenault and ETN, you can do some really, really fun, interesting things. And quite frankly, they're going to have to when they're down 17 points in the third quarter in a lot of their games. So I'm excited to see how this offense operates. I'm excited to see what kind of workload there's going to be there for ETN. But that's the only question for me because I know that's going to be a question we're asked all preseason. Those ADPs that you just read off to us about the Jaguars running backs reflect that. Uh, people aren't willing to come off of James Robinson yet. So that's all. That's going to be the big question throughout the preseason of, of how are these two running backs used and how often are they used? I, I went a little off the wall, but I'll bring it back to fantasy. I, I went – Urban Myers built in some scapegoats on this offense. Because Brian Schottenheimer and Darrell Belville do not run an Urban Meyer offense. They run a pro offense, but they're both very run heavy. I don't think they're both on this coaching staff a year from now. I think, I think one of them is the scapegoat for Urban in this offense to be fireable. But if they're both going to be that run heavy and they're trying to do it together, what does this offense really look like? Do they keep the training wheels on Trevor Lawrence for a while? Even if they're losing, they don't just open it up and – you know, I think they let – I would let him play like Peyton Manning as a rookie, throw a ton of touchdowns, a lot of yards, and throw a lot of picks, and just learn. And you live with what you have, and I think he can handle that. Not a lot of guys can. But it's still – those two guys, James, like, you go back to Seattle, it's, it's both of Detroit, like what – the way they call like, plays don't fit Urban Meyer at all, and they don't no, fit what this offense. F- offense could be high-flying. They fit each other, but they don't – doesn't make sense for them to be with Urban Meyer. Right. Like, I, yeah. I just – 
but this does feel like not to get into like a conspiracy theory, but like this does feel like, all right, I'm going to feel my way out. I'm going to come in as CEO and not be as hands on in year one and just wade through the massive differences as a first time NFL head coach. And no, we're going to struggle. No, there are no expectations for this team this year. And then say, okay, take a step back in a year of now I'm going to be more hands-on. I have a better gauge of where my quarterback stands, a better gauge of where my weapons are. I'll now have two draft classes to work with, two free agent classes to work with. Now I'll be more hands-on with this offense. The other thing, who That's else what it feels available? like He's never yeah. coached in the NFL. Those guys were proven pros, yeah. the play callers, and they were the highest – you know, best ranked available guys yeah, and, and, go there for coaching staff. And Bevel was interim head coach for, for a hot minute too. So it's, yeah. It's, and if you're paying Urban Meyer that much money, you let him fire it and blow it up and bring somebody else in the next year. You know, if there's a Joe Brady hot name out there and he thinks he can get from college or something else that makes it a little more high flying. Yeah. If he could, you know, get one of the Clemson guys to come run that oh, kind yeah, of thing, which is more yeah. pro style than Urban Meyer, you know, who knows, but that, that all that has big fantasy effects. Oh, they yeah. really want to run it like their true natures have been their whole careers. Those receivers we're talking about could take a massive hit. Yeah, I just don't. Th- their issue is their defense isn't going to let them. Right. Like that's 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 going to be the biggest thing. They're going to they're going to still turn the ball over more on offense than they want, and their defense is going to be a problematic. But they're going to try to run it. They just again, I just don't think how often they're going to be able to. There, there it is. The interesting AFC South for you here on the fantasy previews. Uh, the North Divisions next week. That's it. That's all we have left to do. If I'm if I'm doing the math so. correctly in my head, just the AFC North and the NFC North next week on the show. Uh, Jamie, your updated rankings are up over at thedraftnetwork.com. Uh, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And again, as Chris mentioned, under the fantasy tab, everything, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, kickers, defenses, and then the top 200 uh, my my projections have also been updated. Uh, most of the players have stayed the same, but there have been some projection updates for Bears wide receivers, for example, and the Anthony Miller trade and, and New Orleans wide receivers because of the Michael Thomas injury. And, and some of these other factors have all been updated uh, inside of there. And then I want to give everybody a, a shout out and thank you for those that listen to us on Twitter spaces on Tuesday night as we broke down these rankings. We're going to be doing a little bit more of that on that platform. That was our second fantasy show that we've done on there. So thank you, everybody that joined us uh, on Tuesday night. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. Everybody have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you next week when we preview the North Divisions, both AFC and NFC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.